Welcome back to the Bravo Zulu podcast, episode number 60. I'm out of the studio on this one. I took the reins and I had them off to my boy. Um, apparently, he goes by Tickles in some uh, circles. Probably some uh, aviator pilot thing, right? Nerds. Anyways, my boy T.I., he um, he was asking if he, he could do something. So I said, yeah, man, here, handle it. I'm busy as hell anyways on the ship doing drills and stuff. Um, what did you have in mind? So we had a small discussion. We came up with this. All ranks have a privilege. And it's really interesting hearing from his enlisted to officer route and how he approaches things and some of the inherited trusts that uh, are given and not had on either end. So, you know, I hope you guys enjoy. If you like this content, don't forget, please share it, subscribe it, download it, uh, share it. Biggest thing you can help out, you know, in, in spreading the good good news and good word for to everyone is share it with a friend, right? If you think this is pretty cool and, and you find value in it, just share it with a friend. Tell them, hey, check this out, take a listen. Maybe they will too, uh, you know, enjoy it. So again, here's a Tickles. Mr. Tickles, we'll call him, uh, with a little bit of perspective into some military uh, enlisted to officer life. Enjoy. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Uh, so, Anthony, T.I., Tickles, many aliases, many AKAs. Um, but, uh, running a solo cast tonight, thanks to Josh. He let me hijack the Bravo Zulu podcast, so I appreciate it. Just wanted to take a little bit of time tonight, um, as I'm sitting here covered with a whole bunch of comforters with chairs over top of me because I just finished my, uh, PCS nightmare. If you haven't listened to that episode, go take, uh, take a listen. It's a good one. Um, Josh was kind enough to have me on and let me bitch about all of the, uh, the hardships and all the nasty, crazy stuff that I went through over this last six months. But for those that followed that, we uh, we finally made it. We're in a house. Uh, household goods are still over in Singapore um, and hoping to have those by uh, the first or second week in January. But anyways, um, got got the makeshift studio. So if you got a little echo or, you know, any feedback or anything like that, uh, that's probably the that's probably the reason why. But Regardless, uh, again, thanks, Josh, for letting me uh, hijack the cast for this evening, um, kind of talk about some of my personal experiences, uh, both on the junior enlisted side and on the officer side of the house. For those that, uh, that caught the last bit of his uh, Bonham Richard podcast or the PCS Nightmare, you've already got a little bit of my background, but uh, for those who didn't catch that, um, came in the Navy 2004, wanted to be a SEAL, DOR'd from that needs of the Navy, became a storekeeper, and then did a couple of different tours here and there. Uh, me and Josh, we first met over in SIG, uh, which was wild. I'm sure if you've caught any of any of the podcasts with him and James, um, you know, just, just straight wild over there. It was ridiculous. But anyways, um, after my tour in SIG or whatever, following the IA, coming back, uh, did some time in Oklahoma City, picked up Seaman Admiral, went to OU, picked up Pilot Option. Um, went and did the flight school thing for about three years, SEER school, all that kind of stuff. Um, operational sea tour in Japan, went down, uh, for some medical pains, uh, some chest pains, uh, and ended up redesignating to public affairs officer. 
couple of tours there as a PAO uh, into my current position now where I am uh, up in D.C. working at History and Heritage Command. And so that is where we are. A lot of, uh, a lot of different events happened along the way, um, not necessarily for this podcast. Maybe in the future we'll, we'll dive into a couple of those different, um, a couple of those other PCSs or command tours or whatever experiences. I know Josh definitely wants to have me back on for uh, some Seaman to Admiral discussion, and uh, I think I'd like to, you know, probably cover that when that NAV admin drops uh, early next year. Go through that, talk with those folks. Those results are supposed to be out soon uh, for this this next fiscal year. But anyways, um, so ultimately, what I really want to talk about tonight, like I said, is uh, you know some of my experiences, the you know, both the perks uh, or the pros and the cons, kind of, if you want to view it that way. Um, and I know Josh is going to hit this at the end with the disclaimer. Uh, and, you know, I'll even say it now. These, these experiences are my own, right? This doesn't speak for every enlisted sailor. This doesn't speak for every officer. Um, but it is, I think it is important to kind of go through some of this stuff and see, you know, they always say rank has its privileges. That's absolutely true. But you know what? It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean that more rank has more privileges. Um, and so part of what I'm going to talk about is, you know, the quality of life, that for sure, right? More rank generally has more, more privilege there. Uh, but we're also going to talk about responsibility and accountability as well. And in that instance, you know, it's fair to say that generally speaking, less rank uh, has more privilege. So anyhow, um, so let's let's just let's just get started, right? Let's kick it off. So back in the day, right? Let's just talk let's just talk living accommodations, right? Whether it's in the barracks or on the ship, the places that you can eat, that kind of stuff. So, you know, back in the enlisted days, uh, you know, living in the barracks, having to share a room with somebody, you know, share a kitchen. It was kind of luck of the draw if uh if you got somebody that that was responsible and would uh, do their dishes after they ate, would clean their room, because we all know, you know, Thursday, midday, Friday, midday, didn't matter when, them khakis were coming over, usually a chief or a real motivated first class was coming over to do the barracks inspections, and it didn't even matter if you were working night check, you could be sleeping, and this fool would come into the room, inspect your stuff, find some dirty dishes, and now guess what? Now you gotta you get a phone call from work talking about you failed a barracks inspection, and your liberty is secured until you can get a reinspect on that room, right? Or the next time, you got to be in some kind of uniform, standing outside the room, waiting for that fool to come back over and inspect your room. It's absurd, right? Like, how are you going to inspect my house while I'm living in it? Uh, and, um, you know, it's just one of those things that there's some good intentions that kind of ran afoul, right? Um, you You always want to make sure that that uh, that the sailor's lifestyle is healthy, right? You want to make sure that they're not doing some crazy stuff up in the barracks. And let me tell you, my time as a PAO has shown me that some sailors, especially junior listed sailors living in the barracks, <laughs> Josh, right? Give, maybe, maybe that's not a good story for the cast, but uh, um, definitely worth talking about. Um, sailors do some wild things, some real wild things. Uh, and you know, that's why those inspections are in place. But uh, here's the deal, right? 
and I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of go back and forth while I while I go the the officer and enlisted um, discussion, and I'll say that I remembered that back in the day, and so when it was my turn to go do barracks inspections, right, uh, wrapping up the squadron for the day and heading over to the barracks in the evening just to make sure everything's good to go, check in with the rover or whatever the case is, one of the RAs. Um, I wasn't there looking for dirty dishes. I wasn't there looking for any of that kind of stuff, right? I was there to make sure that there wasn't, you know, um, you know, uh, some female sailor that was, or male sailor for that matter, that was being drugged or, you know, um, all kinds of foolishness taking place out in public. Uh, and I get it. Sailors want to have fun, right? That's their home. They have nowhere else to go besides that. And so keeping that in mind, um, when I was put into a position where I was the one that was responsible for doing the inspections and reporting violations and that kind of stuff, um, you know, I understood what it meant, what intent meant, what the purpose of that was, right? The purpose wasn't for me to go in there and fail somebody's room inspection because they had a dirty dish in the sink. The purpose was for me to go in there and make sure that sailors were acting like responsible adults, right? Sure, having some fun, absolutely, right? beverage of choice no issues as long as the the barracks allowed it um you know but again the policies are put in place for a reason and i there'd be no way that i would necessarily understand that i think unless you know i I would have climbed the ranks a little further uh either on the enlisted side or where i'm at now so anyways let's compare that to you know my lifestyle as as an officer right um obviously not living in the barracks right we get we get paid you know, pretty, pretty, uh, handsomely. And it opens up a whole bunch of different options for housing, right? But we ain't living in the barracks. You could potentially live in a BOQ, um, temporarily, but almost anywhere you go, um, generally speaking, all the housing that would be on the base or whatever the case is, uh, is reserved for the enlisted sailors, typically the junior enlisted sailors. Um, and those that are listening are probably a military following, and they already know this, and they're like, hurry the hell up, Tickles, what are you talking about? But anyhow, all that to say, um, you know, I never had to go through anything like that after I had uh, after I had commissioned. So the other option, too, right, and I'm not giving advice here, uh, is, you know, get wifed up, um, have a child. Those things will remove you from the barracks quicker than, uh, quicker than about anything else can. So anyhow... Um, Okay, so uh, talked a little bit about that. Let's talk about just kind of the treatment at work. Um, you know, typical day, right? What do you do? You get up, you shower, you shave, you do whatever you're supposed to do. Oh, shaving, here. I'll stop right there. That's a good one. Um, so, you know, a little different right now. And uh, I know the chief is going to have something to say about this, and I hope, I hope that he does. Uh, but, you know, when it comes to just basic military bearing, right? Um, our junior sailors are, you know, they're, they're put into check, right? They're questioned, they're challenged, if you will, by different leaders at different, uh, different pay grades, different ranks. Hell, they should even be challenged by their peers. It, it shouldn't matter, right? If you're out of regs, get in regs, right? And the first person that sees you should correct you. But it's, it's strange when, you know, when that officer comes in and, you know, he doesn't got a no-shave chit or, uh, you know, something's messed up on a uniform or he knows that he shouldn't be wearing a particular belt with coveralls, um, or, you know, seeing that jacket half zip instead of three quarter zip, something like that. Right. And everybody always talks about, Hey, they'll correct him on the spot. Right. 
Um, but, but I'll tell you, uh, it, it, it is awkward, right, to do it. It is awkward. Um, and I'll tell you, I've only been corrected a couple of times. Uh, and even if, even if I knew I was correct, um, I would still acknowledge the sailors, you know, what they were putting out, what they were telling me. Hey, thanks. I appreciate it. Um, and it's unfortunate that uh, not more sailors are proactive when it comes to correcting each other in ranks, correcting each other, military bearing. Um, because, you know, that type of attitude uh, among peers is, is, is unfortunate. Um, where am I going with this, right? So uh, what I'm getting at is, you know, when I was a junior sailor, I'd, I would go, hey, do I want to shave today? Nah, I could probably go another day. And I would try it, right? And my first class would come up to me and be like, what the hell, man? You didn't shave? And I'd be like, oh, no, it's all good. Like, whatever, right? And you bet he was in my ass, right? He was in my ass all day long. But let me forget my razor uh, as a lieutenant and come in to work and I'm in khakis or coveralls or whatever the case is, who's going to say something to me, right? Um, nobody should have to say anything to me, right? I should acknowledge it. I should do whatever I need to do, go get that razor, get that face shaved, and correct my deficiency. Um, but the truth of the matter is I could probably go through the entire day, if not a week, without shaving, without somebody saying something to me, depending on what my timeline looks like, my work day, who I'm visiting with, who I'm meeting, that kind of stuff, right? Um, it comes down to, I guess, visibility, I think. Um, anyways, there are more things like this, uh, you know, shining boots, right? Um, that may not be as big of a deal anymore, but I know it was a damn big deal back in the day. It, the, the reflection in your boots <laughs> was basically a reflection of you as a sailor, were you a hard worker? Did you give a damn? And people can say like, you know, oh, he's just an ass kisser. He didn't, he didn't actually work, right? A lot of the maintainers out there, the shipboard maintainers, aircraft maintainers, they could say all day long, well, I work for a living. That's why my boots ain't shiny. But I'll tell you what, man, when I was flying uh, on the officer side, I still had shiny boots. I was still up there climbing on top of the aircraft, kicking stuff all the time, right? Um, taking gouges out of the top of my boots. It, it was work. Now, I wasn't in there turning wrenches, uh, but you better believe that my boots were messed up every single day, <laughs> every single flight, and I still went back and I polished them bad boys. So why, why do I mention that, right? Because it's just one little extra thing uh, that's expected of our enlisted sailors that isn't necessarily expected of our officers. Um, and, you know, you see an officer with shiny boots and you say, man, like, what, what is that about? You know, and the attitude is a little different. Um, is he treated differently by enlisted sailors? I don't know. I'll, I'll have to tell you when, back in the day when I'd go into, you know, the, the maintenance officer's office or um, any of the other department heads and, you know, walking up to them and they had some shiny boots. I'd be like, okay, all right. So this guy actually does take the time, and give a damn, um, you know. But but that was me because I cared about something like that. Not all sailors care about that kind of stuff. Uh, now, uh, where you eat, right? I know I t touched on that just briefly. Where you live on the ship, uh, as enlisted versus officer, 
significantly different. You know, you could talk. Hell, I think on the carrier we even had some uh, some birthings that were like sixty man birthings or something close to that. Maybe even more. Maybe there's some hundred man stuff. But regardless, you're living with a lot of other people. That's a lot of stanky ass feet. That's a lot of people. Um, you know, in your personal space, a lot of noises and smells and sounds and stuff all throughout the day and night. Um, that it, it just you know, even if you try and ignore it, it's still there, right? Where my life as an officer on a boat, I was in a two-man stateroom. And generally speaking, my roommate was my, he was opposite my schedule. So we would never see each other. So when I was sleeping, when I was in the room, he wasn't there. He was out doing other stuff. And, you know, of course, the courtesies and stuff there. I got how many different lockers and I can leave stuff out, right? I don't have to worry about stuff getting stolen, all that kind of stuff, right? So definitely a perk. But on the same side of that, um, you know, I got to tell you, when it comes to some responsibilities and accountability, the difference between being an E, being an O is also significant. Now, I know I only touched on a little bit of the perks, right? And some of those you say don't matter, right? The biggest factor, the biggest perk of being an officer is the pay. Sure. I, okay. I'll acknowledge that. I'll agree. Um, or... You know, no one's in your ass day to day to day, hour to hour, micromanaging you. And I'd have to say, well, <laughs> depending on what your job is, okay, sure. Um, but it depends on who your boss is. That is not tied to being enlisted or an officer. That is exactly or directly related to who your boss is and what type of person that individual is. Um, and whether he or she is a micromanager by, uh, by trait uh, or if it's learned, maybe somebody burned them the wrong way. Um, doesn't matter. That's not tied to enlisted or officer. But anyways, um, back to responsibility and accountability. I gotta say that, you know, while I enjoy all the perks of, you know, potentially if I if I got an appointment, I just tell somebody. Shoot, sometimes I don't even tell anybody. Uh, I send them a text while I'm at the appointment day of. They're like, where are you at? I'm like, oh, shoot, I forgot to tell you I had this eye appointment or I had this whatever it is or, you know, I'm picking up the kids from school today or I'm staying home or I'm going to be in at noon uh, because I had this thing go on last night, whatever it is, right? Um, and it's just understood. It's like, okay, that's legit, right? That's a legit reason why he's not here. And unless I'm missing some super significant event, um, you know, no one's going to question that, right? My boss is not going to question the fact that I'm coming in at noon on a Tuesday, because I said I had some stuff going on in the morning. He's not hounding me, well, what time is your appointment? Okay, that's a 20-minute drive there, plus your hour-long appointment, plus a 20-minute drive back, right? None of that stuff has taken place. And we all know, uh, or those that, that are probably following this cast, enlisted or officer, we all know that um, our enlisted folks don't get that, that privilege. Uh, you know, they got an appointment? Okay, cool, let's see the appointment slip. Uh, when and where. They got a router request yet to go to a particular thing if it's not directly medically related. Um, you know, sometimes I've, I've experienced uh, folks even saying, all right, you got to schedule all your appointments on your off days. Or, hey, you, we're getting a 96, perfect time. Why don't you take Friday and get all that admin stuff or that medical stuff worked out that you've been delinquent on? Um, you know, <laughs> perhaps the chief, the good chief, has got something to say about that. Uh, but for me, I think that's horseshit, right? Um, trainings and other things, right? Um, whatever the requirement is, you know, we, we, 
we can't treat a person differently based on their pay grade um, when it comes to expectations for legitimate reasons for absences for work or any of that kind of stuff. But here's, but here's what else I'll give you, right? Is, like I said at the beginning, sailors are wild. They do some crazy, crazy things. And until the trust has been earned between that individual and his, his supervisor or his you know, division officer, his department heads, chief, whatever it is, uh, until that trust has been earned, um, you know, stand by, right? You're going to have to produce documentation. Um, micromanaging, maybe, you know, maybe. But again, other sailors before you have ruined it. Uh, you know, the, I'll give you a little sea story because I know we like sea stories. I had a sailor, right? This is me in a division officer capacity, okay? I had a sailor come up to me and, uh, you know, some stuff was going on, right? He was, he seemed a little down, a little upset. He was getting short on the ship. He was getting ready to leave. And uh, this individual, I'm not going to give you the name, not going to give you the rank, none of that stuff, um, said that, you know, he, he was late to work for something one morning. And this was kind of, it was starting to become habitual, right? But maybe three, four, maybe this was like the fourth time, something like that. So anyways, I told the chief, I was like, hey, let's, uh, let's sit down with him, figure out what's going on, right? Certainly there's some, some human factors or something. I just want to know what's up. Make sure he's okay, right in the head, right, you know, right physically to do the job. And if something's going on, like, I don't care what it is. He doesn't need to share it with me. I'm not trying to dig that deep. Some leaders will, but that's not me, right? If you got something going on, just tell me something's going on. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean on the chief and make sure that, you know, they're getting whatever resources, whatever help they need to get through that particular situation. That's just how I operate. Now, if you want to come to me and tell me what's going on, I'm going to listen. Absolutely. I just don't expect you to share that with me. Um, now, this sailor had come up and said, yeah, some stuff's going on. I'm not right. I'm trying to get a hold of military one source, you know, want to go out and get some help and that kind of stuff, right? That's why I was late. I was on the phone with military one source. And um, we're like, okay, all right. Well, good. Good for you, right? If that's where you were at and you were late because of that, no problem, right? Like, I can understand that. And so I took it for what it was worth, went back upstairs, went about my job. About an hour later, my chief called me back down. And he said, sir, th this didn't sit right with me. Uh, so <laughs> he called me back down and, you know, I, I was like, all right, I'll come down. We'll chat again, whatever. And we discover that the chief had just asked to, uh, to, to see the sailor's phone where he called military one source. And, you know, there was no log in the record of, in his cell phone, which, you know, Legal folks, go through what you want with this, right? The sailor voluntarily gave up his phone or whatever to look through the logs and stuff. Right or wrong, legal rights aside, um, you know, we had discovered, my chief had discovered that the sailor had lied to us, right? And we're like, okay, so what, what were you really doing then, right? He said, well, I had overslept. It's like, okay, so why, why the hell did you lie to us then, right? And he's like, well... Because I figured it'd be easier. He was, he was truthful. He's like, I figured it'd be easier to get away with it if I just told you I was talking to Military One Source than if I told you I overslept. And we're like, <laughs> okay, that's one thing, right? If you tell me you oversleep versus you tell me you're on the phone with Military One Source, regardless, you're absent from work, different levels of an excuse, but sure, right? 
but now that went to lying to me, right? Lying to my chief, lying to an officer, and it's pretty significant. So when I talk about that trust, right? Again, the sailors, the sailors that have gone before other sailors, their leaders have to they have to establish some sort of expectation and some sort of um, you know, day-to-day routine, some sort of battle rhythm. What works? What do I need? If sailors are saying they got stuff going on, what at a minimum would I expect from them to, in order to make sure that, that I'm not getting lied to, right? But anyways, so uh, I just mentioned that because, you know, the, the, the same thing is not there for our officers. But here's, here's the difference, right? Is the difference is, is that as an enlisted sailor, you are late to work, right? What's going to happen? Okay, you, you probably get a counselor, you know, verbal counseling. I'm sure all them chiefs out there know exactly how it goes, right? Um, and they may want to handle some stuff at their level before I even see it as a division officer. Uh, and when I was a junior sailor, I can't tell you the number of times I got verbally counseled, okay, now it's my third time up. They're like, written counseling. Okay, I'm going to get written counseling shit. And then they rip it up in front of me, try and make this big show and some other stuff, right? Um, but, but nowhere throughout there was I ever getting an ass chewing, um, was I talked to candidly, right? It was very like, all right, here's your counseling shit. Sign this. Do you have any questions, right? What recommended solution do we have? Oh, by the way, what's the associated um, corrective action, right? If there was some sort of, you know, secured liberty or EMI type of situation. They had to run it through legal and nobody wanted to do that. So it never happened. So the deficient deficiency was never corrected. Uh, and maybe that was just the different commands that I was at as a sailor, right? But I'll tell you, what affected me more when I was junior, messing up, slipping up all the time, was that peer-to-peer stuff, right? My peers were the ones that were getting in my ass. When I was late to work, guess what? They had to work more. So of course, they're giving me shit. You know, uh, same, you better believe I reciprocated it too. Um, now, you're not going to get along with all your peers, right, as an enlisted sailor. You're not going to get along with all your peers as an officer. You're going to butt heads, right? That's exactly the same on both sides. Uh, it's just a little different on the officer's side. Um, it's a little, I, I'll use the term more respectful, but maybe that's not it. It's a little more creative um, on how you interact with folks that you don't necessarily get along with because it's still expected that you're professional. And I'm not saying that it's not expected that you're professional as an enlisted sailor. It was just never expected of me to treat my peers that I didn't get along with respectfully um, and in a, in a dignified manner, right? Um, but I am not condoning uh, treating other people like shit because you don't get along with them, right? That's not the Navy we're, we're trying to grow. That's not the people that we're trying to cultivate. Uh, we want people that treat everybody with dignity and respect, right? All right, there's me off my soapbox. But it, it's true, though. And there's going to be another episode. I know I know. Josh wants to have this, this talk with me, so I'm going to save it for that. But there's something to be said for just being a decent fucking human being, right? Even if you don't like somebody, if you hate somebody, you're still going to treat them decently, right? Now, you might reflect some of the same energy that they're putting out, Uh but damn it, you're not gonna you're not gonna treat them, you know, like assholes just because you don't like them, right? Um, it might be a little more difficult for them to get some things done. You might say, "Hey, I'm gonna follow the regulations this time," but I might be able to overlook some things for those other people that that I trust and that you know have have helped me in some other way, right? 
because I'd be naive to think that that doesn't occur. But anyways, um, back to this responsibility accountability piece. So I started that conversation, this, this, this segue, by talking about, you know, showing up to work late, right? And how an officer can just say, hey, I'm at this place, or I'm going to this thing, and I'm leaving work early. Uh, and it's just understood that it's legitimate. One, that only, gets, that only can happen so many times before flags start getting raised, right? But even before then, um, the, the trust is, is automatically there. So, you know, sometimes you'll come in with leaders, you do your check-in, right? And let's said, I remember coming in and they said, all right, get this PQS filled out. You know, get this. As a matter of fact, I'll even go back this far. Um, there's another podcast that happened earlier, and I forget the uh, the other sailor's name, um, but he was talking about a dude that was on, you know, submarine community in general. And these guys, man, they don't, until you got your pin, they don't trust you at all, right? Uh, you're basically not one of the crew. You're not a sailor. You're nobody until you got that pin. And there's a good reason why. And if you haven't heard that podcast, please go back, take a listen. Uh, I forget what number it is. Maybe, uh, maybe the old BZ um, lead can go back and throw a number on that for you so you can check it out. But, it, but ultimately, that's the point that I'm trying to make is that there's that trust, and it's not there until you've done certain things to earn it. Um, and that's generally speaking, just, just life, day-to-day life for enlisted sailors from what I experienced that was kind of the case was, you know, nobody was going to trust me until I did particular things, until I showed up to work on time every day for damn six months, right? Then when I have one absence, it's like, okay, cool. That's not the norm, right? This guy has his head screwed on right and something happened, whatever. It really was the alarm or it really was the bus that was late. It wasn't him, right? Um, and so this, the difference is, is for officers, for the most part, that trust is given immediately. Uh, and so if you got stuff going on, you know, you, you tell somebody you got stuff going on, like it's, it is what it is. They just take your word for it. Um, and I'll have to say, like, it's wild. It was the most wild experience for me, you know, being like, Hey, uh, I got such and such going on. Okay, cool. Like I was ready to produce appointment slips. I was ready to, you know, give proof that I got whatever going on. Um, and it, it's, it's very strange. It was a weird transition. Now, it's not, uh, not in any of the training commands, right? Not in flight school and stuff, but actually showing up to operational squadrons, um, operational commands. Is that, that's what I'm talking about here. Um, and, you know, the, I think where that comes from is the fact that, you know, you can call it what you want. Held to a higher standard? Sure, that might be it. but. If I'm, if I'm at home, like right now, I'm, I'm sitting on my floor, covered up with these blankets, trying to do this studio thing for the podcast. If I were to get a call from my boss right now on a Sunday, and he says, hey, I need you to come to the office like right now, guess what? I'm, I'm coming to the office right now to deal with whatever it is that he has going on. doesn't matter what it is. I, I might be in, you know, in the National Mall with my family hanging out, eating some food. He calls me back. Guess what? I'm going back. He calls me on the cell phone because why? Because I got a, I got a cell phone on me. I'm connected to the boss, to the command, twenty four seven. Um, you know, and that can happen at any time, anywhere, 
almost any command that an officer is assigned to, that's the expectation. Uh, and I'm not saying necessarily that that's not the case for some enlisted sailors, but I will tell you that, you know, if, if you're a sailor, junior sailor, and you're out there, if I was out there on some vacation or on my Liberty, my 96, and I was like going to the beach and I was going to go drink on the beach all day, you know what I'm purposely doing? I'm probably putting that cell phone on silent or leaving it in the cooler or leaving it in the car so that I don't get that call from work, right? And if that call comes in, oh man, well, at least I bought myself another four hours, something like that. Um, man, I was a shithead. Josh, we were just straight garbage, weren't we? <laughs> the early days, man, I'll tell you. But anyhow, um, you know, the, in the instance of responsibility, you know, as an enlisted sailor, you got, you got the job that you're responsible for. I had back in 2007, right? So this is, I'm a second class. Well, 2007, 2008, I'm a second class. I'm working in the tool room, working M role. Uh, for those that are familiar with those programs, those are, or, or not familiar with those programs, those are at a squadron and they manage just like they sound, tools and different uh, spe- support equipment, special tools, that kind of stuff. And in the aviation community, that's a big deal because if you lose a tool, it could be in the aircraft. If it happens to be in the aircraft while it's out flying, it, aircraft could, you know, it could uh, mess up one of the flight controls and you know, you just killed people because why? Because you left a wrench inside of a hydraulics bay, something like that. But anyway, so it was a big program, right? But I'll tell you what, that's all I managed was those programs. I didn't have any responsibility for sailors. Um, There were a couple of sailors that worked in the tool room and worked with me that were junior to me, but it wasn't, they weren't necessarily my responsibility. Uh, They were more peers, right? It was, if I was an E5, they're E4, like we're buds, we're hanging out. Um, And it was weird. It was a weird relationship, but, you know, I wasn't responsible for them. Now, fast forward to, you know, that was me as an E5. So now fast forward to me as an O3, um, you know, working on the ship, and I got a division, I got the department, um, I got meetings all day long, every day, and, you know, I'm responsible for all those sailors, not just, you know, them coming to work and going on leave and liberty, but also their training, their education, uh, their qualifications, all these things, right? And you better believe, right, depending on what type of boss you've got, what type of boss I had, you got to sit down and you got to kind of brief these things. You know, on, there'd be a PowerPoint that would flash up and it'd have, you know, red light, green light uh, for where the sailors were at. Were they qualified? Were they not qualified? And why are they so far, you know, hey, why, is, why are your guys red? Like, why are you only 48% qualified in this area when everybody else on this ship is, you know, up in the 70s or something, 80s? Uh, and you got to answer to that specifically to who? None other than the executive or the commanding officer in the room full of all the other officers, uh, all in your shit, right? Um, and so when I talk about the perks, the, the perk there is for our enlisted sailors, all you got to worry about is yourself. If you're, you know, if you're that E3, you're that E5, you know, them E6s, sure, you're starting to get up there doing the LPO thing, and depending on where you work, what department, what type of ship, what command, uh, you got some more responsibility. You got more sailors. You got more programs to manage. Got it. Absolutely. But you know what? If your sailors aren't qualified, are you going to be the one in front of the CO talking to them about, you know, what's next? Why is your shit fucked up? 
Probably not. Now, as a chief, yeah, you might. You might. But that's not what I'm here to talk about today because I didn't experience life as a chief. I experienced life as a seaman, right? As a, as a third class, as a second class, as an aspiring first class. Um, and then my life was, you know, 01, 02, 03. Um, but anyways, I, I just, you know, wanted to, to kind of touch on some of this stuff. And of course, you know, old school me, if I was sitting in here as an E3, this might sound a little different than it does today. But the truth of the matter is, is, you know, the quality of life for enlisted sailors to officers is different for a reason. Um, different programs exist for each for a reason. Um, and when it comes down to it, right, you want the, you want the, uh, you want the quality of life? Well, you've got to be able to take all the smoke when it comes down to it, right? You got to be able to, to take all that heat coming at you if you want those perks. Um, and I'm happy to talk to anybody that wants to about some more personal experiences and how I manage that heat when it does come my way. But, uh, but anyhow, um, now I'm just getting to the point where I'm rambling. I don't want to draw this on too long. Josh, thanks again for letting me hijack the cast. And uh, I think I left some things unsaid. But at the very least, uh, you know, I'll acknowledge that. My life as an enlisted sailor is one that, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad that I'm not there. Uh, I'm glad that I don't have to deal with some of the bullshit that, you know, it, that our sailors deal with today. And I'll be the first to tell you that as an officer, I, I remember these things when I go and I work with my sailors and I, I do inspections and program audits and all these other things, right? I want them to be truthful. So I try and extend them some of that trust that's naturally occurring officer to officer um, that isn't naturally occurring officer to enlisted or enlisted to enlisted so uh, anyhow um, I think that's a good spot to wrap it up I can definitely go on longer uh, but for the time being Josh hit him with the disclaimer brother For more information on how you can support the podcast, please visit anchor.fm backslash bravazulu podcast. The information, views, and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely of Joshua Moore and the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent the DOD, DON, or those of the respected institutions or organizations. Thanks for joining us.